Welcome in, everyone, to the Talking Tide podcast. I'm Chase Goodbread of NFL.com and Crimson Cover Television. I'm joined by Travis Ryer, the senior analyst at BamaOnline.com and the radio host of Southern Fried Sports, which you can catch each and every weekday, 11 to noon at 100.9 FM in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, a 38-19 to 19 winner over the Missouri Tigers in the season opener. We're we'll breaking that down from top to bottom for you here on this podcast. And Travis, you were there uh, in the flesh up there in uh, Columbia. I know it's not the first time you've been uh, in that yard, but uh, I would, before we even get into your game experience, I want to know what the, the ticket experience was like. <laughs> does, does the man have it over on, on the consumer because there are so few tickets available or is the demand down because of the pandemic? Well, I, I think the Columbia ticket man liked his position this past weekend because you had a couple of things working in his favor. First of all, it was a season opener. So you do have at least some of the home crowd, some of the home fan base is excited. And then, of course, you have Alabama involved. And so uh, still a, a good bit of crimson uh, and white in the in the stands that I saw on Saturday night. And so that that pushed up the demand, which. Uh, the ticket man likes that, you know, he likes that demand to go up. And so uh, from what I could see on the secondary market, tickets were not cheap. Uh, you know, I sort of, I eagle eye that market, even when I don't need tickets, you know, uh-huh. I mean, most of the time I'm credentialed and I, but I just enjoy it. It's in it's my DNA. Hobby. I mean, yeah. well, pops, you know, my dad, I mean, pops is, I mean, he considers himself sort of, the secondary snipe, secondary market sniper, you know, he likes to consider himself throughout the year. So, you know, I, it, it's something I've, I've, I've always been fascinated by, but I, I, I caught a couple because I had a date, you know, I took a date to the game because look, here's the deal as media, you're going to these road games and all you're essentially doing is going into the press box, watching the game. And then everything post game is via zoom. So whether you're in the press box in Columbia, Missouri, or you're in your TV room in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, it's essentially the same type of experience. Uh, now, look, I understand if you're the day-to-day beat person uh, and, and it's deemed that you need to be there and you need to be on site, I get that. That's great. Uh, but for stuff like what I do with Bama Online analysis and things like that, it's not nearly as important as, say, Charlie Potter actually being there. If something just crazy happens uh, in Columbia, really outside of football right now. But um, so that's kind of the way it worked out. And I came across two in the Tiger Lounge, the Tiger Lounge. How about that? And it came with a parking pass. That's and in that was... new end zone at, at Furrow Field? No, 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 no. This was on the, uh, this was on the, I want to say the West side. Okay. So, uh, we're, we're in that tiger lounge about the 40 yard line, you know, midway up and, uh, they've got the buffet, not really a buffet because of the COVID they've got burgers and dogs prepackaged for you. They got popcorn and they got an open bar. RMEs or something. Yeah. 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 They got an open bar in that tiger lounge. And so parking came with it. Good bread. I probably parked. We parked maybe not even 50 yards to the front entrance, to the, to the, the level that we were going up to. So 
again, it was just so much surreality because, you know, I, I tweeted this on Saturday. I've never been to a Missouri spring game, but that's really the feel that it had around campus there because there's no tailgating on campus. Um, even their strip area just off campus wasn't exactly a buzz like you would typically see for Alabama, Missouri, uh, there at Faro Field. So no band. Uh, the band was in the stands, okay. you know, and cheerleaders are in the sort of concourse level. Um, I'll say this. I thought, and what I think you're going to see going forward is that the smaller the stadium, the better it looks, right, on television and things like that. I mean, there were 12, there were only 12,000 people at the game Saturday, but I thought it looked pretty good, you know, being there and sort of, um, and seeing and watching it on the on the TV monitors, I, I didn't think it looked awful. Uh, but some of these stadiums, you know, like Bryant Denny, even with twenty five thousand in there, it's it, like Tiger Stadium at LSU for Mississippi State Saturday. That, that just looked odd, man. I mean, and maybe some of it too is we're used to seeing places like Missouri not full, right? So it may not strike us as much at Missouri or Vanderbilt or some places like that. But man. When you see Tiger Stadium or you see Jordan Hare Stadium on Saturday with that type of crowd in there, um, it, it's it's certainly different. But look, you know, it, it was a good time. I was able to get my work done. You know, it really didn't change anything because of the setup being what it is right now. Because of uh, yeah, the, the 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 no access post game and things like that. So you know, it was a good trip. It was a good trip. I. Uh, uh, we turned it into kind of a four-day thing and, and made the long haul back today on Sunday. But uh, no worse for wear, good bread, you know. And, and I and I think I was pretty successful against the ticket man. You know, I thought I did pretty good with him. Well, you, you come from uh, good stock where that's concerned, yeah. uh, as we know. You, you, you called your – you called uh, Ern Ryer the, the sniper when it comes to that secondary ticket market. He can shoot a cheap pair between the eyes from <laughs> a thousand yards with a scope. Well, here's the thing with Pops. If I tell Pops I paid more than five dollars for two tickets Saturday, he'll he'll deem me a complete failure. Yeah. Because yeah. he, he, he thinks he can go to any game and get a pair for five dollars. He really thinks that. And look, I've seen him do it. I've seen him do it. You know, so I can't necessarily argue with that. But uh yeah, that's kind of his approach. On to the game, 38-19 win for Alabama. We start, Travis, with Mac Jones, the quarterback, uh, taking over the reins of this offense and uh, really playing impressively, 18 of 24, 249 yards, a couple of touchdowns and a couple of fantastic throws. So much talent around him. Uh, he, he's, he's got everything working for him from, the, from the, the big guys up front to the skill guys behind him and on the outside. But, hey, he more than did his part. He did, and he looked just so comfortable in there, right? And you saw some of that a year ago. I think that surprised a little a lot of people in 2019 when he was sort of thrust into that position with Tua injured a couple of times was that, you know, this was a guy that despite being a third-year player a season ago, I think the expectation was, well, this guy's going to be a, a little bit skittish. Maybe he's not going to be all that poised. Well, he showed you a year ago that, in his mind, at least, the job wasn't too big for him. And I thought there was a continuation of that Saturday night, probably even more of a comfort level for him because you talk about the 249 passing yards. Well, 
all but 10 of those came in the first half. I mean, this guy was sitting at 239 in two touches uh, when they went to intermission. So very impressive. I thought protection for the most part was really good, but even when it wasn't uh, a, a totally clean pocket for him, maybe there was an unaccounted guy uh, on a, on a, deferred or delayed blitz like we did see on on the first touchdown pass for Mac to Jalen Waddle. He stood in there, took the shot, and remained extremely accurate. And so absolutely, I thought Mac Jones was was great. I thought the protection was really good for most of the night. And, you know, anytime you have those guys like Jalen Waddle and Devontae Smith to go to, that's a that's a great luxury, but you know, I thought John Mechie too stepped forward a couple of times, made a couple of nice grabs in that third wide receiver role. Yeah, Mac Jones is—it's a different style for sure than what Alabama had a year ago. He's not going to extend plays like Tua did, but I do think one area he's improving on is he, he seems to be uh, sensing the rush maybe a little bit better than we would have seen. At least that's one game. I get that. Uh, it's not a big sample to go on, uh, but he looked comfortable with that. As you said, he stood in and took a shot here and there, but also, you know, stepped away here and there when he felt it coming. So, uh, everything a go, it looks like after week one for Mac Jones, our friend, Matt, uh, Mike Parker, Crimson cover, he likens him to AJ McCarron. And I can see some of that, uh, Mac maybe being a little bit more willing to check things down than, than was AJ. Uh, but Hey, uh, extremely effective in this season opener and, and, and all systems go for him. The talking time. Go ahead. I thought the approach was more along the lines of what you would see from Josh McDaniel with Tom Brady. I, you know, you didn't see a lot of RPOs Saturday night, did you? Right. There, there wasn't that RPO sort of influence on the offense as much. I'm sure it's still there, but at least in the opener, it was more of a traditional pro style today's traditional pro style anyway, uh, way of going about it. And, and he was very good. There was some Tom Brady, I thought like moments, um, you know, that we saw from him and, uh, uh, yeah, the comparisons are going to keep coming here. Uh, but I did think it was interesting again, that this offense, the last two years had been so RPO heavy, didn't really see all that much of it against Missouri. No. No, did not. Uh, Jones is, uh, brings a, a kind of a different flavor to the position, but one that's uh, certainly been effective, uh, really going back a couple years from him now. He's logged a lot of time as a backup. Uh, now, uh, of course, tail end of last year, he was a starter as well, but uh, time for him to take uh, this offense over full and clear. Uh, Talking Tide podcast at podbean.com, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and tune in. The Twitter feed is talking underscore tied. Travis, a couple more offensive notes, uh, and then we'll flip it over to the defense. Najee Harris, really solid in the backfield, fell just short of 100 yards, three scores for the senior. Uh, and Brian Robinson, congrats to him for being a step faster, Travis, now that he's wearing a single-digit number. <laughs> that always, you know, when you take that extra digit off, it's like 100 pounds Yeah, come off these guys, you know. Suddenly they're, they're quicker, twitchier everything else. But no, obviously, as was the case a year ago, Chase, it's Najee clearly ahead of the rest of that group. And, you know, 19 touches for Najee when you combine the the rushes and the 
the two catches that he had, and really he did all that in, in less than three full quarters of work. So, um, you know, about what you would expect from him, I, continuation of the decisive approach that really took hold over the last 11 games or so of the 2019 season. So that's a real positive and uh, a nose for the end zone, right? I talk about the 19 touches. Well, scores three touchdowns off of those. That's a, it's a pretty nice ratio chase. When you talk about touch to, to touchdowns, Carl Tucker and Miller Forrestall, uh, official starters in the game, Travis, as Alabama comes out in a two tight end set. Obviously, we saw a lot more three receiver looks throughout the game. Uh, but what are your thoughts on that duo, how they played, how they look at that position going forward? Obviously, Forrestall, uh, a receiving threat uh, for Alabama, one who's uh, coming off an, uh, an injury last year. Uh, but is a, a, a guy that can give him something downfield in the seam for sure. Tucker, a transfer, maybe a little bit more of a blocker up front type. Yeah, I think Carl got the memo last in terms of his designation as a starter because kind of had to run him on there late for the first snap of the season to go along with Miller Forstall. But really throughout the game, you saw a lot of Obviously, Miller's the, the top guy at the position. Had a nice 34-yard catch. I, I thought that was another nice play by Mack. Early in the play, kind of gives a shoulder shimmy to the safety and then goes over down the right sideline to Miller for the explosive play. But, I mean, we saw a lot of Miller Forrestal, a lot of Carl Tucker, Cameron Latou saw extensive action. Um, we also saw Jalil Billingsley a good bit. And even Kendall Randolph was in sort of that Brandon Green mode with the dual numbers. He was in 47 there uh, at one point in the game as an extra tight end. And then we also saw him at at offensive tackle once Evan Neal went out with an injury late in the third quarter. So, you know, kind of the expectation we had, Chase, that this team was going to be more balanced in terms of personnel groupings between uh, 12 personnel, one back, two tight ends, and 11 personnel, one back, one tight end, three wide receivers. I, I thought it really played out that way on Saturday night. Flipping over to the defense now, Travis, and, and I'm going to tell you, that obviously this is a defense that's got a lot to prove. Uh, big night um, for sure for the linebackers, though. I mean, I, if you look at you know, there are concerns at all three levels of this defense coming off of last year, no question about it. I think the defensive line is still a, a bit wait and see. We didn't get a look at Christian Barmore at all. Um, defensive backs, yeah, I think that's kind of wait and see too, but I'm buying stock right now in this linebacker group. Uh, Dylan Moses back at the mic looking sharp. I thought Christian Harris looked outstanding. Will Anderson looks the part. I think that group right there, uh, looks like it's up to, well, again, it's just a one-game sample, but I won't be surprised if that group is playing, uh, the first group of the three to be playing up to standard. I had a couple of different people after the game and since the game on Saturday night talk about, ask me about the speed at which Alabama seemed to play with, especially in those first three quarters, and you know, when, when you've got your best players uh, available and, you know, they also have gathered some experience here in the last year. And even one guy who's a true freshman who just looks to be 
uh, just one of those rare talents at outside linebacker and Will Anderson. Yeah, it's really amazing how fast, how much faster you look on defense. Well, you know, I thought Dylan Moses showed you a lot of what you wanted to see coming off the injury. You know, early in the game, give Eli Drinkwitz, the Missouri offensive staff, some credit. You know, ran a little bit of a misdirection, um, you know, bootleg where they got their slot receiver, Jalen Knox, matched up sort of there on Dylan. And now that's not a matchup any middle linebacker is going to win on a slot receiver. But I thought he played fast. I thought he played physical. I thought he played with a lot of confidence. Uh, you know, Christian Harris is emerging very quickly as a star in his own right at the weak side position. And now with Dylan in there to run the show and sort of, you know, provide that sense of security to the rest of the guys around him from that perspective, you're seeing Christian Harris, you know, with that year under his belt, uh, just be able to fly around and make plays. And, of course, Will Anderson at the Jack linebacker position. Kind of wondered, even after that depth chart, we talked about this last week, what did it really mean to see Will Anderson there as the first-team Jack linebacker? Well, it meant what it said it it said and that was that he's the every down outside linebacker uh as a true freshman again something that we we haven't seen previously uh over the entirety of the Nick Saban era at Alabama Chase no no you're right I mean that's the bell cow position in the defense it's it's the one that's that's generally going to be racking up uh the sacks the plays in the bat backfield what have you um I guess Courtney Upshaw played pretty young in his career, but not this, not first game starter young. No, no, because even with Courtney, you remember 2009, that was sort of, um, that was sort of Eric Anders year, right? Um, yeah. He actually yeah, so had a pretty Upshaw big year there. was more like there. sophomore year taking over, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. And, and even in some situations in 2010 and even in 11, that was really Courtney's big year in 2011 on that generational defense that Alabama had on the way to the national championship. But it's just, it's, it's extremely rare, but I'm telling you, Will Anderson is extremely rare. Uh, it, you know, it's one thing to come across a, a, a true freshman that as an edge guy just has that explosive first step. So if nothing else, in passing situations, you're going to get him involved. You know, even if he's a one-trick pony in terms of his pass rush arsenal, you know, he's just a, a speed guy, let's say. Caleb uh, Chason of LSU a couple years ago comes to mind when I think of that. But this dude actually has some change-ups. He has some different things he can do in the pass rush. And in terms of being able to play with his hands at the point of attack, Chase, you know, Jonah Williams at the offensive tackle position, seeing him come out of high school uh, three or four years ago, I guess it's four or five now. But Jonah, when you watched him on tape and what he did to defenders just with his hands, uh, it, it was like dynamite going off. And that's what you see some of with Will Anderson with the power he's able to play with. Uh, he's built almost like a, a perfect boxer. You see the length, but there's still a lot of power involved. Right. And and, uh, you know, the, the, the sky's the limit for this guy because you saw him punish some Missouri running backs uh, on some zone read looks. And look, if I'm Eli Drinkwitz, I would have done exactly what he did Saturday night. What was really the first thing Eli Drinkwitz did? He tried to run option at a true freshman outside linebacker. 
And you also had a true freshman starting at the star position on the perimeter. So absolutely, that's what you do to true freshmen. In Alabama, with Will Anderson handling the first part of that and guys like Christian Harris and Dylan Moses taking the pitch, they were really, really good against that chase. Yeah, Anderson's ability to stop the run, like you said, it, it looks like it's going to be just fine. He, he's he's not deficient in that area at all. So, yeah, three-down player out of the gate is what it looks like with Will Anderson for sure. Uh, quickly on the secondary, Travis, your thoughts on that group. Daniel Wright, 11 solo tackles uh, to lead the way uh, defensively for Alabama. Uh, nobody comes up with an interception, but I thought that group, they had some moments where you're, you're scratching your head like you'd expect from a, from a young group. Um, but overall, I, I, I saw some encouraging play out there. I'm not going to bang on Alabama too much. I know the fans afterwards were not happy with some of the tackling. And, and, and there were some, some whiffs and some misses uh, for sure. But especially with the circumstances that have been in play with COVID-19 and protocols and all this stuff, you know, fundamentals are going to be a little bit lacking. The football isn't going to be perfect from the outset. And on defense, what does that often translate to? Tackling, angles. I thought late in the game, you know, as Missouri went down the field there, you saw a couple instances where a couple of first-time starters in the secondary took some subpar angles after the catch and they paid for it. And so, yeah, there was a lot of teaching tape that became available over the last quarter and a half or so of that game on Saturday night. And also, you know, Missouri's last drive, you saw Alabama subbing guys in during the drive. You know, so there, there wasn't a lot of continuity going on there. And look, I know Nick Saban, Pete Golding, they don't want to hear any of that. But, uh, you know, I, I think that... Uh, I think there's still going to be competition um, at, at these spots uh, on the back end of the defense. I thought Josh Job was really good. I thought Josh Job showed you exactly what you needed to see from the corner opposite Patrick Sertan. You saw the the maturity that you've been waiting for from Josh Job. Uh, you want to talk about production points. I think Job had seven tackles, a pass breakup, um, a forced fumble. Maybe a sack. Uh, it was a it was a really nice night for Josh Job, and um, they've got improvement to do. There's no doubt about it in that secondary. You, you got a true freshman at star in Malachi Moore. You got a first time starter at safety in Daniel Wright. Um, you know, it, it's only going to get better from here. Uh, that's the kind of the way I look at it. Talking Tide podcast at podbean.com, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and tune in. The Twitter feed is talking underscore Tide. We're going to thank a couple of sponsors really quickly here, starting with North River Dental Associates and Dr. Jack Smalley. His professional staff can do every kind of dental work there is, whatever you need. Maybe it's the porcelain veneers you're looking for. Maybe you need some pediatric dentistry for your kid, laser dentistry. Maybe it's the teeth whitening services. They can do everything you might need from a dental standpoint over at North River Dental. You give a call at 752-3506 to make an appointment, or you can do it online at northriverdentist.com. Routine cleanings, they're going to have you in and out of there in under an hour just about every single time. Remember, when your teeth need any work at all, remember Dr. Jack Smalley and North River Dental Associates. 
Love us some Dr. Jack Smalley, no doubt about that. I'm going to tell you about Heat Pizza Bar, downtown Tuscaloosa at Government Plaza. You know what we got coming up this week, right? Home game number one for the Alabama Crimson Tide of the 2020 season, the Texas A&M Aggies making their way to Tuscaloosa. And Heat Pizza Bar is going to be in the middle of the action right there in downtown Tuscaloosa at Government Plaza. No tailgating. No tailgating on campus. So if you're planning on being in Tuscaloosa, you're going to have to have some alternative plans. Make Heat Pizza Bar a part of that plan, especially if you're in the downtown area. Heat Pizza Bar, downtown Tuscaloosa at Government Plaza. Also, talk about a game day home run. Southern Alehouse. They can do your party. They can do your takeout. You can swing by. At any time, and check out Southern Ale House, eat in, take out, catering. They can handle it for you. Outstanding options, whether it's those smoked and or roasted wings there at uh, Southern Ale House. They're great. They're great. Uh, lunch specials each and every day. Uh, the plate dinners are out of this world. Chase and I both love that meatloaf with that tomato jam. It is great, great stuff. Sandwiches, burgers homemade sides, even the sauces at Southern Ale House are made right there in-house. Southern Ale House, 1530 McFarland Boulevard North. Talking Todd podcast at podbean.com, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and tune in. Our final couple of minutes here on the podcast, Travis, we usually bounce all over the SEC. I think we'll probably just devote, can we just devote the rest of the show to (laughs) Mississippi State and LSU? Oh, the pirate. the pirate gets in there uh, with 600 plus yards for the former Stanford quarterback, KJ Costello, knocking off LSU. And I, I want to say I had it coming. I wanted to call the upset. I did not have the nerve to call the upset. I did see Mississippi State giving LSU all kinds of problems, though, for, for multiple reasons. Number one, you knew, especially after you, you find out that the Stingley kid's not even playing at cornerback. But even even before then, you knew DBU, this DBU, though, Chase. Give, oh, DBU. Yeah. Yeah. Where's the uh, next guy? You're DBU. Don't give me that. You're yeah. DBU. DBU's, yeah. DBU's taking a year off, maybe. We'll see. It's certainly <laughs> – we know it took a week off already. Uh, but, uh, yeah, Mississippi State getting it done. And, hey, what kind of home field advantage is Tiger Stadium with no fans in there? So you, it's almost like a neutral field for uh, MSU. I don't know. It just, it just seemed like everything's set up for Mississippi State to at least give them a fight. And they gave them more than a fight. They gave them a big fat L to start the season. Yeah, we talked about the ticket, man. You know, and that Missouri-Alabama ticket on the secondary market it was the highest that I saw in the SEC from over the weekend. LSU was one of the lowest. You know, I was a little surprised by that. But, of course, you've had the, the tough events with, with Hurricane Sally uh, not, not, not too long ago, obviously. So that area is uh, of the Gulf Coast and the, and the Southeast still trying to recover from that. And, look, there's a lot of LSU people, if you can't tailgate, they're not going to the ballpark. You know, they're not going to the game. A lot of folks don't even go into the game. So I'm sure that played a role in it as well. Um, but still very surprising. You know, we had talked about K.J. Costello a lot and sort of, you know, kind of the expectation for him. I didn't think, here's what I didn't think. 
I didn't think Mississippi State had enough weaponry around him. Yeah, I understood Kylan Hill, and we had talked about it before. You know, how was Kylan Hill going to be incorporated into the air raid offense? Well, if you look at Washington State just last year, Washington State had a running back in Max Borgie who caught 80-plus balls last year as a running back. What did you see Kylan Hill do on Saturday? He was especially tough on the Tigers uh, as a receiver. So, um, you know, look, the ticket man in Tuscaloosa, he loves it because he's got Mississippi State coming in here on Halloween uh, in, in about a month's time. So that that works out pretty good for the Tuscaloosa ticket man. But, uh, you know, it was, it was impressive. I'll, I'll say this, of as disappointing as LSU was in a lot of ways, I thought LSU's offensive line was atrocious. I mean, awful. Because there ain't no Montez Sweat, okay, at Mississippi State this year. There ain't no Jeffrey Simmons on that defensive line for Mississippi State. And Mississippi State did not have much problem at all getting to Miles Brennan throughout no, the No, they did. No. Awful. No, awful. you're right. Bre- yeah, Brennan was under pressure a lot. The LSU offense was just was out of sync for uh, really – it, it it seemed like the it seemed like the whole first half and and you know I Osiris Mitchell on the other side the wide receiver for Mississippi State you're talking about weapons that guy ate LSU up he was outstanding and he, and he wasn't even he wasn't even projected as a starter because supposedly Terrell Shavers the transfer from Alabama beat him out in preseason practices and then Osiris Mitchell. Uh, you know, he looks like uh, Jerry Rice yeah. on Saturday against LSU, you know? Yeah. And, and Shavers made a couple plays himself, you know? He got in yeah. there, scored a touchdown, and you know, those are big guys. Those are big targets. A lot of length on those guys. A lot of um, a lot of red zone problems, I think, for some of these defenses against Mississippi State. Costello looked sharp. He, he threw some really nice deep balls. Um, he looks pretty immune to pressure. You know, I think his experience from Stanford helps him. He played yeah. a lot of he played a lot of football out there for sure. And uh, yeah, Mike Leach is off, off to a big one and zero start for uh, the Mississippi State Bulldogs, and uh, made some crack after the game about I I didn't hear it word for word, but yeah, couldn't play the Cowboys or the Packers <laughs> or the Patriots, so we played these guys. You know, a little dig I think at the. Uh, uh, at the at the competition, as it were, Travis. Yeah, you know, and uh, look, Pirate, he, he essentially took those modest first-year expectations and threw them straight out the window because <laughs> you, you know Mississippi State people have just lost their mind now, you know. They, they are 2019 LSU <laughs> with this veteran quarterback. We going to win it all. You know, Mississippi State, in the history of that school, has not won a team national championship in any sport. That's hard to do, man. That's hard to do. Well, they're going to be... Good for State, though. Good for them. They'll be dying to forget. They want to forget Dan Mullen tomorrow over there. And and the way Mike Leach came out of the gate, it might be a lot easier to do it. That's going to do it for this edition of the Talking Tide podcast. Had a lot of fun uh, join us during the week. We're going to preview Texas A&M, Travis, the home opener uh, coming up for the Crimson Tide. 
Yes, it is. And I'll tell you what, uh, if you saw Jimbo Fisher post game against uh, after the 17 to 12 win over the mighty Commodores of Andrew. You know, there was a time a month ago, I wasn't even sure if Andy was going to make it down to College Station, Chase. And uh, that was one of, I believe that was one of two seven to five halftime scores we had in the SEC on Saturday with with Georgia and Arkansas being the other. So, um, you know, we we expected so much from this matchup back when it was going to be played in late November, back when Jamon Osmond was still playing wide receiver for Texas A&M, uh, and Anthony Hines was still playing linebacker for Texas A&M, but uh, they've had some personnel losses here due to opt-outs and injury, and we'll get more into that as we move throughout the week. But uh, I think this line for Saturday is going to end up being a, a pretty good bit bigger than maybe we had anticipated previously when this game was set for maybe November. Has not been an easy go for Jimbo at Texas A&M thus far, especially with the uh, expectations and pressure that that come with a $75 million contract. That'll do it for us. Uh, We'll talk to you on Wednesday as we preview Alabama-Texas A&M. Be sure to follow us on Twitter as well at Talking underscore Tide. For Travis Ryer of BamaOnline.com and Southern Fried Sports Radio, I'm Chase Goodbread of NFL.com and Crimson Cover Television. We'll talk to you next time right here on Talking Tide.